I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Dakshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I am Pranay Kutasthane and today I have with me Malati Renati. So today we are going to talk about a very interesting topic, women in sports in India and the policies related to it. But before we begin, I should mention that the applications for all our courses are open, our 48-week postgraduate program in public policy, and also for the 12-week program, which is GCPP. So all applications are open. Do check our website for learning more about public policy in a systematic manner and learning all the interesting things about Indian policy as well. So with that, let's begin today's conversation. So Malati, before we get into the nitty-gritties of women in sports, etc., tell me about your sporting journey, no? Because out of all the people in Takshashila, you're the only person who's played sports seriously at some level. So what all did you do? Yeah, thanks Pranay for firstly having me on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that my sporting journey, I should really thank my parents because they have, my mom and dad both have played sports. Mom has been at the college level, badminton, throw ball, a few other sports. My, my dad has also represented the senior level. He's represented the country. Of course, this is Zambia. That's oh, where I grew up. Right. I spent most of my childhood. So I think just that exposure to sports from a very young age, mm. where we used to play in backyard. My dad was a good hockey player along with football and other teams sports. Exposure to team sports was my was the first exposure I had. And I really, I think it was something that has helped me in many ways because sports is something that is a life skill at mm. the end of the day. So when I look back now, I'm, I'm so happy that I have participated. Of course, when I came back to India, I did represent Karnataka in uh, hockey, baseball and softball. Wow, three uh, sports. Okay. Yeah, but I think the, the the learnings and the just that experience of playing as a team, though I have played individual sports as well, like table tennis, just that whole team spirit, right, that comes in one's uh, playing sports is something that I, even now when I work with teams, I know that's helped me a lot. Apart from that, of course, things like analytical skills, fitness is one thing that I think sports is, you know, is kind of helps us right. develop over time. Correct. In economists speak, sport has many positive externalities. There are lots of benefits, not just to you, but to people around you and in ways that you are not able to think even at that time, right? You can't anticipate like you, right. you weren't playing with a view of improving your analytical exactly. capabilities, yes. but that was the outcome at a later point of time. So it's right. a classic externality in that sense. But do you think the fact that your upbringing was in Zambia. Was the sporting culture different there? Was sport more a part of your curriculum in your early school years? Was that a difference that you noticed? Yes, I think definitely that made a huge difference because facilities there too were very good. Zambia, of course, was colonized by the British. Mm. So they had left behind quite a robust system. And we got an exposure to sports. It was part of our curriculum. So we used to finish school by around three and then the next two hours up till five was put aside for any extracurricular. And that involved everything from what we used to call rounders, which is very similar to baseball, to other individual sport as well. So I think that exposure makes a big difference when it's at a young age. And plus having the facilities 
definitely adds to it. But I think more important than that, having that support system is crucial. I was lucky that family was very supportive. Mm. Uh, my dad is someone who has always been encouraging me. I'm an introvert by nature. Thanks to sports, it's it kind of helped me, you know, kind of break my inhibitions when it comes to a lot of things. So I think, yes, definitely facilities are important and that made a difference. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting, right? We touched upon two, three factors just from your story, right? One was the sporting infrastructure right. by the government, just the fact that you have some facilities, not just by government, but infrastructure as such. It can be private, it can be government. The second thing was your school had that time put out for sports. So right. that was about a cultural mindset that you do need this as an important part of your growing up. And the third thing you mentioned about your parents and the fact that society around you also has an impact on these decisions, right? So that's where we come into this part of the conversation and this had this conversation at Tank Scrub, which is sort of a Takshashila tradition. Every Thursday morning, we discuss many, many random topics related to public policy from across the world. And last week, we had a very interesting discussion on women in sports and what are the barriers in India and what are some possible solutions. So Malti had some very good points in that and we thought we should open this discussion up to a lot more people beyond Takshashila. So uh, Malti, let's get into that. So what are some of the barriers you think for greater participation of women in sporting activities in India? Yeah, so that's interesting. Rane. In fact, there are many but recent conversation that colleague of mine, Saumya Nandan, and I had with Aditi Mutakkar, who's a former international badminton player. So we were fortunate. And incidentally, and, an and, alumna of GCPP. <laughs> precisely, yes. And we had the privilege of meeting her a couple of weeks ago in, in uh, Pune as part of our alumni meetup. And uh, she's part of uh, Simply Sport Foundation. It's an NGO based out of Bangalore. And they were precisely looking at this uh, topic that we're talking about today, about how we can break barriers for women in sports. Mm. So there's a pilot study that they conducted. And I'll kind of just pick some points from there. Of course, this is just a pilot study in a, another month or a, rather a few weeks. We'll be coming up with the, the final report and we'll have a, maybe have a discussion with Aditi at that point of time. But the interesting part, the barriers by and large is that sports has been a place where gender bias has been very kind of obvious. Right? And uh, women in general are discouraged, especially in India, from playing sports because it's believed to be more of male-dominated sort of, or a masculine domain, as they call it. Also, actually, Dr. Tracy Sims, she puts it across nicely, saying that many times the training regimes or the, the kind of fitness uh, that is expected is that we think that women are small men. Mm. But that's just a wrong place to, to start from right. because everywhere from the physiological to the psychological, we, uh, men are different from women, mm. which means that also many other aspects like the menstrual cycle, when a woman is going through a cycle and the kind of trainings that a woman is put to uh, during those periods has now we have scientific proof that it has a long term effect. Mm. You know, So that is another, another area where sometimes women are maybe not given that opportunity because they, they feel that some of these, the fitness or the training regimes that are put in place is a bit too difficult for her to go through. Yeah, difficult or just not appropriate. Appropriate, I would say. I right? would, yeah, correct. I, I remember right. you would use this term female athlete triad, right? And yes. I'm just reading out the definition. It is an interrelationship of menstrual dysfunction, low energy availability and decreased bone mineral density. And it is relatively common among young women participating in sports. Right. So is this sort of 
one of the reasons why the training should be designed very differently for women yeah women. precisely mm. uh, you hit the nail on the head the training in the past like i mentioned it was always considered let's say a boy runs 10 rounds maybe girls team would be asked to run 8 rounds mm. if the boys were asked to lift weights of a certain you know number the women's would be just toned down a bit mm. so it is all more or less everything was toned down essentially yeah, right yeah. same thing but just do it with less intensity less intensity yeah. but that doesn't work that way and the other thing that was uh, kind of detrimental is because in some sports there's expectation that they should be of a certain weight for example if somebody wants to get into boxing in a certain category mm. they might increase their weight so that they can then participate in that category mm. similar to weightlifting whereas other sports like gymnastics or a few other sports which require you to be more lean you'll try to lose weight and so that's not your optimal and ideal weight for your stature but that's not considered you know when the training plans are put into place it also impacts in the long run because when you gain or lose weight consistently over over a period of time it impacts even your in the long term you might develop osteoporosis right right that's mm. that's one side effect and of course the menstrual cycles also go for a toss mm. so it might not come regularly if that doesn't happen then there's a hormonal imbalance so it leads to a large number of other you know uh, negative effects which is no is only recently been understood hmm. so while so, this is so yeah. one broad reason is our training regimen etc needs a complete overhaul hmm. a different way of looking at it but currently we follow the same old style so maybe that is one barrier right, right one and barrier. i would assume that would be one barrier especially for women who want to take a sport seriously right uh, what what are some other such things yeah. you would identify the other things would be also of course the infrastructure in general right infrastructure hmm. and the facilities that one that's made available we know that the quality is is not the best and places that where it is available either it's only the private institute that have set up good quality infrastructure so not everybody has access to it mm-hmm. we also know that in rural areas for example accessing a sports facility uh, one might have to travel many kilometers so especially if there's players from rural or the low income bracket families are not in a position to even think about sending them you know distance to access those sports facilities because they the first the primary you know day to day needs have to be first met mm. right so the expenses also that they need to incur and of course um, we need to keep in mind that there's also the safety that comes with women stepping out of their homes and traveling uh, long distances or even the very fact that it makes them vulnerable to harassment of uh, different kinds we know in, even in cities it happens but in rural areas they, they could be exposed to uh, you know uh, harassment or even gender based discrimination within their own community if they wear a certain sports gear or so certain mm-hmm. equipment that they might we found and there are reports and many things are actually brushed under the carpet but these are this is a huge deterrent because women then don't feel secure enough to kind of actually step out or want to take sports forget about it as a career option but even want to kind of attempt playing sports from a fitness or from a leisure kind of perspective hmm. also of course family support is very important because investing in sports is considered a waste of resource by many families hence the many girls who either drop out early or where financial aid is required they realize that it's not really you know possible of course like we mentioned about the training we need to have more scientific training knowing that during the menstrual cycles athletes plan should also change as and we have Like just to give some numbers, eighty-five percent of the athletes reported that they had similar training plans as boys. 
very mm. similar. So I think that's one thing. And then uh, access to information is another. Now, the country, I think recently, 2017-18, Kalo India was, the yeah. scheme was initiated. And that actually, actually was a very good initiative by the government. And the focus was not just for, for sports in general, but they also had a separate program for women. Mm. So uh, the centers that they have, that, which is the SAI, the sports academic institutes that were set up, they were focusing on ensuring that the women participation, like they had 46% women and 54% men. And they actually had, were training more than 2,000 athletes across 21 disciplines. So this initiative has actually sought, if you notice now, it's, it has bo- it is bearing f- mm. uh, fruit in the sense that the Commonwealth Games, the recent uh, Commonwealth Games, uh, India finished a f- fourth rank mm. with a medal tally of you know, crossing 60. Mm. And the women athletes won actually 26 of those, which is mm. 46% of those medals. Mm. So suddenly we're seeing women in the spotlight in sports, and which was not even you know, woman-oriented, like mm. if I may put it that way, in the past, like things like weightlifting or mm. boxing. You know, we have many names. Mary Com is a household name when it comes to boxing. There is, of course, uh, Deepika Kumari in archery. So all these people have come from rural areas. So th- we know there's evidence that this kind of a scheme or this kind of a push from the government is required. And once we have role models in different disciplines from different areas, it's it'll be a matter of time before this kind of picks up. And I know it's a long way to go f- before we can call India a sporting nation mm. because uh, there are multiple steps uh, uh, you know, that we need to, or levels we need to cross. But this is definitely in the right direction. Mm. Long way to go, but yeah, in the right direction. All right. So these were some of the problems that you identified. Some of them are common both for yes. men and women, especially yes. for example, you said lack of infrastructure or family support, etc. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that would be, but there are some unique things also that women face in this, which you highlighted. So let's get to what are the ways in which you can tackle it, right? So the way I see it, there are three parts to this solution, right? Just like there is the state solution, there's a market solution, there's society, right? All right. three need to play a part in solving it. Definitely. I don't think the government can only solve this. And I don't even think it should be solving this, given that Indian government will have many, many, many other challenges which should take priority o- right. over sports, right? So, yeah. And so I would say the government has some role, the market has some role and the society as well. So can we just explore those, right? Now, government, when you said about governments trying to encourage the Scalo India, what you said, and there was another scheme, right? Tops, I think, target Olympic podium scheme. Mm -hmm, This was another one which started around, I think 2015, I'm not sure. But the idea was same. They identified a few athletes and then they said we'll invest in those athletes over a Mm -hmm. long period so that they will have another opportunity for winning medal etc for India so it's long-term investment in a few athletes rather than you know just temporary investment in a large number of right so what do you think about these kinds of schemes from the government side yeah, I think for long term, definitely these things are required. So we, if we look at both a short term and a long term approach, the first step would be to kind of also, it's a multi-pronged, right? Mm. The government could take the initiative, but people should be number one, aware of these schemes. Mm. Number two, they should be accessible to them. So if you're looking at rural uh, people in the rural areas, much of the time, they're not even aware that these schemes exist, mm. that there are opportunities outside of what they currently have in their villages or towns. The other would be, if this can be then extended to kind of career options, 
that mm. one could have. And it's not just as athletes. Mm. We need to keep in mind that career options in sports could also mean like coaches and there are a bunch of the supporting staff. So there are a lot of areas that one could kind of take up sports as a career. So if once the, once people are aware of these options, then it might become more viable. Mm. But it's a, definitely a multi-pronged approach. Like, for example, the sports campaign should right. be started where the narrative is is where you are kind of highlighting the benefits, uh, the people who have achieved highlight the role models in each of the sports. So people look up to it and then they kind of start making that transition. Right, right. So I think the idea of Kilo India was this attempt to spread this message why sports is important, whereas the aim of TOPS scheme is the other one, right? The, where you get role models. So right. if you see some role models, maybe then it will start a virtuous cycle where more people see Indians excelling in various sports and they also join, right? right. So I guess TOPS is aimed at that kind of a thing, right? So, okay, so this is about governments. Yeah, probably more facilities that are run by SAI, etc. would also help. But yeah, the government cannot reach all villages for sports, given that the government is also struggling to reach on many other fronts also, right? Mm -hmm. So so what is the role for markets and society here as well, right? Now, I'm just taking an example. Markets, when I think of two examples, I have one is Decathlon, for example. Mm -hmm. right. Just that sporting chain for, this is for sporting equipment, not... Right sports as such but the fact that your sporting equipment is so easily available right. and available for so many other sports is such a big boon right so Definitely, when yes. I was growing up I mean even in just to get a sporting equipment you have to go to a shop where there are very few store. options yeah. yeah and you are just stuck with something right but now you have one place where you can get sport equipment, not just for cricket or football, but of a wide variety of things. Right. And so that's like, say, one role that the market can play, where government has allowed FDI to come in into this sector. And now we have decathlons, at least in the urban, in many urban uh, agglomerations. So that's one thing. The other thing is just thing something like the IPL or city-based leagues, which have started. Because again, earlier when you have just national teams, so uh, in this... All these sports efforts are basically a power law distribution, right? That's so right. there will be yes. a, some people who will excel, only a few by definition. And there will be a large number of people who will be good, but not the best. And they will have no opportunities, right? right. So now with ideas like the IPL or the Kabaddi League mm -hmm. or even the Badminton League, the pool of people who can say that they have earned reasonably well uh, and they can make a living just by pursuing sports has increased tremendously, yes, right? Definitely. So you don't need to be in the 11 in the Indian team. You can be one of the 200 who are in some IPL team and yet you can reasonably be famous you and do come on television and be part of ads you know those are things that people will will definitely help the sport Correct. Out. Yeah. so what are the other things do you think which can these kinds of solutions from private individuals that can help women in sports I think definitely the funding and sponsorship. So from this, we also understand that funding is essential because, mm. for example, if you're looking, if you're targeting the rural area, right, the investment of building sports infrastructure in states will vary based on the state. There are certain states which yeah. might require more. So they're underinvested at this point in time. So I think if CSR funds could be or initiatives could be kind of you know, channelized into these areas because definitely funds are needed. Mm. at least to, to begin with. And we need to keep in mind that sports, if not just as a career option, but I think people, if they start looking at it from a fitness, from yeah. a well-being perspective itself, mm. will kind of open up the market a, a whole lot. And then the whole 
once you have a market for it automatically you know you'll you'll start getting more companies investing in it so just to kind of get ourselves into that momentum hmm. india has a, has a lot of potential for sure i mean when you when you look at even as a, a sporting nation right this is huge potential we saw that just with the kelo india which started in 2017 18 and now in 2022 we've kind of come a long way and now even the women's cricket team is kind of you know people are following the sport so just to give you a few numbers women sports viewership in india is around 30 just above 35% Mm. whereas if we compare that to maybe australia which is above 65% mm. so i think just to kind of get people to view the sport and then automatically the other things will follow like you know the, uh, the advertisements mm. and other organizations wanting to kind of fund it mm. is so it's a kind of a, a cyclic mm. at the same time it's it has each of these have also a long term impact mm. and hopefully at some point in time once we reach a point where there's enough momentum garnered from this and sports is also accepted as part of the curriculum it's not just physical education period that's put aside and mm. you know those who are interested kind of get onto the field and people start seeing the benefit of this mm. fitness for their well-being and as a life skill right because it eventually boosts productivity self confidence even work ethics mm. eventually because you you have to be disciplined if you have to actually play certain sports at a high level so i think there is a win win definitely but we need to essentially get to that point where it kind of the momentum itself takes it forward right so what you said about these solutions so i i would put the csr bit into what the society can do mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. Uh, rather than what the markets can do because yeah this philanthropy is one way in which civil society can contribute and i completely yep. agree i think as i said government in india given the challenges we have governments will do should do but it won't solve a lot of Definitely, these yes. things so we need a lot of efforts in these from a, a philanthropic initiative not just csr csr is just one mechanism but mm-hmm. philanthropy coming into areas where government by definition will not invest much because of its other priorities that's exactly the areas where philanthropy can do True. a lot more things right for example yes. we can't expect government to put a lot of money into art culture spending given our developmental challenges so again philanthropic money coming into arts sports etc is definitely an area where there is a dire need and it has the comparative advantage because no one else will be able to do so right. so yeah csr and there have been quite a few initiatives right uh, on this where now there are firms which are working with athletes helping working with the government yes, yes. even for this top scheme there were a few bangalore based civil society non profits which were working to identify athletes and also facilities train them you know it's like you are being with them for 6 7 years and helping them through all the challenges right so that i guess is the role of civil society right? yes definitely in fact few states like manipur mm. okay, apparently the communities also has a, obviously a community has a a huge role to play here and there you'll notice that any sports there are a lot of girls who, who participate and there are a lot of women who come to watch them mm. or to kind of egg them on so i think just the whole community being involved in kind of you know encouraging Mm. Uh, not just women but also not just the girls but the boys as well mm. uh, i think in general that makes a difference because the society as you know as you know in india right the socio society can be detrimental when it comes to women being involved in certain areas like sports which is not considered your part of your especially in smaller towns right so uh, here when the, if the community gets involved and they are, the, the girls are backed by their society right it it goes it makes a big difference because uh, and many of them have a huge potential 
Uh, like I mentioned, if you look at many of these sports uh, persons who have come up uh, recently and won medals, they all are from small towns. Mm-hmm. Where facilities would have been essentially non-existential. But yeah. I think one good thing that happened, even though we criticize BCCI on many things, I mean, personally I do, but BCCI recently announced that women and right. men will get equal pay. The match uh, the match fee match is equal fee, right? in mm. cricket, but of course the contracts, that's a that's a different thing. But at least it's a good first step. Mm. Definitely it will encourage, uh, you've seen women cricket in, been in the news over the last uh, couple of years and and the team has been doing well. Mm. Right. So it's one thing feeds into the other with that encouragement, with the money that comes in. They also get motivated they, and they, you'll definitely see more uh, younger women taking this up as a career option, mm. uh, knowing that there is you can make a career out of it, uh, right? yeah, that there yeah. is the money. So I'm always wary of cultural definitions because culture also changes, right? It's right. not as if we are static. We have also changed from over the I mean, we ourselves as human beings have changed over the last 15 years. Forget culture. Uh, Over a long term, anything is possible. But there are quite a few differences. For example, the way Australia Mm -hmm. is in sport compared to UK itself. Now, forget other countries with different path dependencies. But even in Australia, I've heard many people from the UK say how Australia, the Perception of sports is very different. You know, their PM keeps talking about cricket and all that. You know, the uh, former umpires, uh, there's a former umpire called Simon Toffel. I Mm -hmm. remember he's now an advisory in an investment firm and things like that. You know, so people make interesting switches based on what they've done in sports, Mm -hmm. right? That becomes, uh, which you don't see in uh, many other places. So I don't know. Is there what do you, what is your thinking about the role of society? Is there something called a sporting culture, or is it built over time, or what is it? Yeah, I think it's definitely built over time, and that's why it's a multi-pronged approach. If a country does want to kind of move in that direction, the narrative it should be coming from everywhere, right? Like mm. the governments, government too should be make you know taking a stance on what they've where sports is in their agenda. The community too should get involved. But eventually, I think if there is a, a demand for it, hmm. definitely they will. the, the supply will uh, kind of come That's in. True. So India definitely has the potential. I think yeah. we've proven it in the past. But it's just that we need to ensure the numbers, we can, we, you know, everyone, once they jump onto the bandwagon, hmm. so to speak, they'll start seeing sports as, as something that should be essentially a part of their life. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think there's a role of economic growth here as well. If there is more prosperity, then people would want to try different things because there is, as you said, some the cycle has to kick in the work, but the virtuous cycle. Some pe- more people will have to take risks, mm-hmm. go into different careers, and that right. depends on what your economic condition is as well, right? right? So I guess those are also things. So yeah, I mean, government first picking up short-term targets like tops, etc., in order to set role models, yeah. and also pursuing a path where there is more economic growth can open up these opportunities for many people, right? It's not as if everything has to be directed by the government. Markets will work. People will want, as you said, if demand is created in some way, then, you know, the supply follows. Hmm. So, the great talking to you, Malti, about this. Do you have any other things you want to add? No, I think, of course, uh, we will be talking more about the sports policy and and what are the options and some of the recommendations, maybe in a a few episodes, uh, ATP episodes that follow. But I think overall, I think if we all within our own 
networks, right, uh, kind of have that positive spin to what sports is and what it can do for us. I think that, well, let's start there. I think we need to start somewhere. Uh, communities is the best pl- place to start with yes. people we're familiar with. And then, uh, yes, it will. it should take its course. Right, right. Absolutely. So this is one area where civil society has a big role to play. Definitely, yes. And with that message, we'll say Kilo India and we'll <laughs> yes. end this episode. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Pani. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.